0: Welcome to the Best of MBS podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay Stanier, best-selling author of The Coaching Habit and How to Begin. Today's interview is from the Find Your Great Work interview series. Here's your host,
1: MBS. I bet you've experienced this, that moment in the meeting when somebody says something that subtly or not subtly diminishes you, that email that makes your hackles rise, that time when you feel cut out or slighted or cut in some way and the kind of the frustration and shame and anger that all kind of shows up in this messy cocktail. Or maybe that's just me, I don't know. But if that has ever happened to you, if you've ever felt that somebody has been rude to you or uncivil to you at work, I think you'll like this next conversation. I'm talking to Christine Porath and her new book is called Mastering Civility a manifesto for the workplace. And Christine is the Associate Professor of Management at the McDonald School of Business at Georgetown University. And she works as a consultant, of course, as well, helping organizations address this quite... Imp- I am going to say impact, it's a terrible word. This pattern of behavior that seems to be getting worse and has a significant impact on productivity, on engagement, on happiness. So if you're curious about this, you'll enjoy this next conversation with me and Christine Porath, author of Mastering Civility, The Manifesto for the Workplace. All right, Christine, intro done. People are on the edge of their seat about what we're going to talk about today. But let's start off as I do with all our cause by saying, okay, you've written a book. Writing a book is a miserable experience at best. What are you taking a stand against? What, what's irritated you enough that you've said, I need, to, I need to write a book to make a point about this?
0: Well, just how costly incivility is, uh, particularly in the workplace. So I worked in a toxic environment and I felt like for some reason people were ignoring this and thinking they, they could treat people poorly uh, and didn't really see the consequences attached to that.
1: So I love that. And, you know, that, the title of your book, Mastering Civility, says it all, really. Do you think in general that uh, people are getting ruder, nastier in workplaces and in life, or is it just something that's just come to your attention? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you have any data behind, you know, people are getting grumpier in workplaces.
0: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I do have some data that suggests that it has grown in prevalence over the last couple decades. So, in 1998, I found that about 20 percent of people were experiencing rudeness weekly, Mm. and more recently, that number is well over 50 percent of people that say that they experience uh, rudeness or incivility at least once a week at work. So. Sadly, I think that um, all too many people are experiencing this even more regularly as well. Yeah, isn't good, it? it is. It's very depressing. You know, and the only, uh, there are, I think, a lot of reasons for this, but one piece of it is that I do think people are more aware of it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, our antennas are up, but I think that there's a lot of contributing factors. The biggest one being that people claim to be under more stress nowadays. And that's the number one reason uh, that people say that they're rude. Um, They're overwhelmed and just, you know, feeling stressed out.
1: So uh, I totally get that. And that kind of part of what we talk about on this podcast all the time about how do you manage stress? How do you focus on the work that matters and has meaning to you? Any hypothesis around you know, the millennials tend to get this miserable (laughs) lump about being this selfish, self-centered, ungrateful generation. And I'm not sure I entirely buy much of that, but I'm curious to know if there's a generational thing that you think might be playing into this at all.
0: I do. So uh, there's a woman named Jean Twenge at San Diego State that has studied the generation over the last 25 years. And she found that you know, today narcissistic scores are up about twenty five percent than you know a couple decades ago, and so I think that that may have some impact on uh, you know the fact that that's not great for workplace interactions with others. Having said that, you know I I think that there are just slightly different norms also in today's workplace. Right. So you know that may contribute as well. So I don't want to put the point finger at millennials only but i do think it's a contributing factor and so we see different generations saying like who does he or she think she is you know right. kind of
1: thing exactly. young people i've just hit the age where <laughs> my friends and i go out for a drink and somehow we end up talking about young people today and i'm like oh my god i've become that old guy who <laughs> yeah. moans about young yeah. people damn it <laughs> hey.
0: Exactly. And they bring, you know, plenty of great qualities to the workplace as well, which is why I also hate to, you know, um, rip on them too harshly. But I do hear uh, older managers sometimes complaining about, you know, why don't they tend to respect us as much and treat others with the level of respect? And some of that is formalities and so forth. But, you know, I have heard some very funny stories like there was a partner, managing partner of a law firm that was telling me that they had a, essentially an intern and he called them into his office and asked him to do a task. And the intern said, okay, we'll memo that up and get it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> the partner just looked at them and thought, You know, you got to be kidding me. I'm taking orders here from our, you know, so you do hear (laughs) stories like that. Um, And again, I think that there are, for the millennials, less status differences. You know, they step into the workplace thinking that they very much, you know, it's a level playing field and they have what it takes to succeed. And so I think that across the generations, there are some differences for what respect can and should look like. Right. Right. And so ideally, you know, the older generations, I just try to encourage them to coach people uh, as to your expectations and, you know, try to mentor them along the way.
1: Well, let me ask, before we get into some of the the ways of becoming more civil or managing people who are being uncivil, what are some of the the ways incivility show up? I mean, civility and incivility are a language people understand, but what specifically does it look like or what are you talking about when you talk address it in your new book?
0: Yeah, so I think you know a lot of the times people will describe being belittled or demeaned. You know, let's say in a meeting that Mm. you know someone kind of um, takes them down a notch or rips on them in ways that they feel like you know really degrade them. So that's you know certainly one kind of in-your-face example, but it also can be more subtle, like people emailing or texting during meetings. So people will complain that their boss, for example, isn't paying attention to them. You know that they don't feel like they're being respected. It can also be things that are like spreading rumors or Mm. taking advantage of others. You know, in teams, I'll hear about people not giving them credit for the work, you know, or leaving their name off of a report that they contributed. So it does span a wide range of different types of behaviors. I think the important thing is that people feel like they were treated rudely or disrespectfully. So it is very much in the eyes of the beholder.
1: And what's the impact on people feeling that they've been diminished in this way? I mean, how does that play out in terms of, I don't know, engagement, productivity, some of those metrics that organizations and team leaders worry about?
0: it takes a huge hit on engagement and performance and creativity people are far less helpful and this is true not only for people that experience it but people that witness it too and what i've learned over the years is that part of this it's not only a story about getting even or trying to take it out on someone or the organization but a lot of it has to do with people losing focus after this happens or it's around them you know they they don't concentrate as well they don't remember as well and We can imagine when this may have happened to us, you know, what happens? Well, it takes us off track. You know, we're now replaying the incident in our minds different times. We may be thinking about the ways that we could have or should have responded. Um, We may be thinking about what influence this has on our career. So, you know, it just takes a huge cognitive toll on people.
1: So I'm sure, Christine, that everybody listening to this call is really nice, (laughs) really (laughs) delightful they themselves wouldn't deliberately be uncivil. But I suspect, because I know I'm one of these, that there's, there's ways you kind of accidentally kind of slight somebody or diminish somebody. So I'm wondering what we can do, what I could do, to kind of just become a little more aware of the impact of my behavior. Have you got any insights around just getting me a greater sense of how I might be impacting those that I work with?
0: yeah, so a few ideas. I've included a quiz both in the book but also online that's you know free and accessible for all. So it's at christineporath So I'd encourage people to try to take that and just be mindful of what behaviors pop up. It gives suggestions for how you can improve those things Great. where you score low. Um, the other thing is just really seeking feedback from others. So if you don't get feedback through three sixty, you know, through your organization, or if you don't have a boss or peers that are giving you regular feedback, then I strongly encourage people to ask, you know, what are the things that I am doing that are helpful? What are the things that I could do to improve? And it's as basic as that. And then hopefully you're getting feedback about specific things that you could tweak because a lot of these things are quite minor and, you know, really it's just people lack self-awareness about how they're being perceived.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, those that, are great questions. I mean, that, that general piece around seek out feedback, how are you doing? But I'm wondering if there's just something about the language of the question you ask. I mean, what am I doing well? What's useful is great. see, What what should I do differently? Already takes you into kind of tactical stuff. Um, And I'm wondering if there's a question, something like, you know, what's the impact? What What's it like working with me? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, I'm thinking out loud. It's, it's a question that might have a more interesting answer, but it's also a harder question to answer, particularly if you're sitting face to face with that person.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I really like that. Um, and I'll suggest to others to give that a shot as well. I mean, I think you're right. It's really trying to start a dialogue with people and, you know, following up with others about how you're doing. Um, the other thing that I like is just, and this goes along with kind of coaching, if you will, but like Marshall Goldsmith's Feed Forward
1: Mm -hmm. concept,
0: you know, about once you hone in on something specific, then asking people what you could do, your colleagues, uh, your subordinates, things like that, to improve that in particular, and then really working and checking in with people around, you know, how you're measuring up, you know, and if you're improving.
1: Part of what I like about Marshall's work is, as well as that Feed Forward piece, which is around... You know, what should I work on? What should I do? Is he, he, he's very good about saying, let's stay focused here. Let's just pick one thing Mm -hmm. for you to work on. Um, So it'd be interesting to say, what's the one thing I could do differently that would make this a nicer place to work? Not necessarily in a more efficient or more productive, but a more pleasant place to work. That could actually open up an interesting conversation.
0: Yes, I think that's a great idea. All
1: right, Christine, here we go. The rapid fire question round. Uh, The first one, because we ask all, all of our guests these same three questions, what's the crossroads you came to? What's the decision you made that made the big difference for you in your life?
0: So when I was working in a toxic workplace environment in a sports management firm, I decided that people needed to be aware of the costs of, you know, rudeness and civility. And so I decided to go back and get my PhD. And my goal was to document in as objective a way as possible, what are the costs of incivility and why should we care?
1: Nice. That's the, I mean, you talk about that in the first part of your book, but that's, that's the seed from which the book came from. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Whose work has influenced your work?
0: So Adam Grant is a role model for me. I mean, he's a phenomenal researcher in my field and and friend, but he also has found a real way to get his work out in broad, meaningful ways. And I think his work has such a positive influence on leaders and organizations, as well as just people in society. And, you know, before him, Bob Sutton and Jeff Beffer at Stanford had, you know, great books, which affected leaders, I think, in this way, too, yeah. um, in the ways that I'm striving to. And then Marshall Goldsmith, we talked about earlier, but his work, he you know, came from an academic background, but has That's had true. just a tremendous impact on people, you know, and um, I really admire, you know, him and his work as well.
1: Yeah, fantastic. All great role models. Uh, you know, Adam Grant's work on Give and Take has a nice connection to this piece around civility and being generosity, being a way of being more civil. And certainly Bob Sutton and his great book, what is it called The, the No Asshole Rule? Is that it? Or something? It is. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's a great, a terrific book. And Marshall, of course, is a long-term friend of Box of Crown. So all three great role models. Um, so third and final rapid fire question is this, what's your great work at the moment? I mean, that's what Box of Crowns is about. And if Good work is the everyday work, but great work is that kind of light you up, make the difference in the world, meaning, impact. How do you see, how do you talk about your great work right now?
0: Well, I'm just, I just finished up a a report for SHRM, um, Society for Human Resource Management, on how do we create more human workplaces where people thrive. Nice. And yeah, I love the idea of getting my arms around that. You know, what are the different ways? I mean, civility is one of them. But, I think there are lots of other levers that leaders can use uh, to create better workplaces where people are more engaged and thriving. and so, and then, how do they role model that? That's a second piece of that is not just you know creating policies or a culture where people do that, but actually them living it so that people you know that it also encourages others to do it. And so, getting that work out in different ways and doing talks, whether it's the book or on those related Mm -hmm. topics. I think, you know, where I get my spark is really kind of um, recognizing or finding ways where the research has an impact. You know, it leads to more positive workplaces where people thrive because that's what really led me to this field. (laughs) And so... But that's really where I want to make a difference is, you know, to reduce the toxicity in workplaces and really try to improve, you know, the more thriving at work for people in particular.
1: I love that. Christine, let's get back to the real interview now. Part of the price we pay for incivility is just what you said before, which is we've all suffered from it. You know, somebody being angry, being rude, being diminishing in some way. And I've certainly had that moment where I've gone back to my desk and just kind of had the whole thing rattling through my head again and again and again, feeling kind of outraged and, you know, <laughs> I want revenge or whatever it might be. Right. What are some tactics for managing yourself in the face of incivility? How do you deal with it when you're the target of it or the even if deliberately or just collateral damage?
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to try not to take it personally. You know, I think a lot of people let it tear them down and not just the way you're talking about kind of in the moment or shortly thereafter, but over long periods of time, I'll hear about this. And so, you know, I think it it really comes down to like, what are you going to make of this? You know, are you going to make it about you and your competence and, you know, your potential success with this boss or organization or are you going to try to put it in perspective and think, what can I do, you know, do differently to improve and focus on, you know, moving forward? Because what I have learned is too many people get stuck um, and get stuck for long periods of time. And so I think one of the things that I stress to people is if at all possible, try to, you know, not make it about you. (laughs) You know, you can think the person's a jerk or what have you, you can write them off. You could even write the message off if you completely disagree with it. But I think it's very important that people don't let this eat away at them or their performance. And so that's the biggest thing. And of course, you know, everyone's different, but you know, there are ideas, like I love to work it out, you know, like meaning go exercise at the gym, take out my frustrations that Mm -hmm. way, you know, playing sports. So I, I like to encourage people to be healthy about it if possible. You know, if you feel like you're getting beat up in the workplace, I think it's really important that you find things that feed you outside of the workplace. So, you know, I study thriving at work and one of the things that we find is if you're thriving outside of the workplace, that helps. You know, there's a positive correlation between how you feel outside the confines of a workplace and then what you're bringing back in energetically, cognitively, all of that. And so, you know, I think that that's a very healthy response as well. And there are other things that you can do, like trying to make your job more meaningful. So, again, you know, I kind of think of that as feeding yourself. You know, we know how important having meaningful work is. So yes are there things that you could do and in particular that would improve your learning and growing? And again, I think part of it is just you want to feel like you're moving forward. So you got to do whatever you can to push yourself that way. Cause oftentimes we just don't have control over the other person. And particularly with rudeness over two thirds of the time, it comes from someone with more power, you know, someone above us. And so I think all the more important to say, you gotta do what you can to take care of yourself.
1: Yeah, I love another that. Way. I I mean I think those are all great suggestions, you know, that piece around look after yourself in the short term and in the longer term afterwards, make sure you're thriving outside work. But I think that insight about from your research, two thirds of causes of incivility come from people who are more senior than us. In other words, people from over whom we don't feel we have power or control. Is there anything we can do kind of almost in the moment because you know how it is somebody gets starts being rude to you shouting at you slighting you in some way and your heart starts beating a little faster and you kind of get that blood in your eyes blood in your ears sort of thing <laughs> and you're kind of like you can feel yourself almost in fight probably actually in fight or flight mode um right and you can't control it but you know using the who is it Blanchard circle is it they you know there's a the control there's influence there's can neither control nor influence. Is there anything you can do to influence them? Is there anything you can do in the moment to control yourself and your own reactions to that that might be useful?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, it brings me back to a question that I love that guides my both short-term response and long-term response, which is who do you want to be? You know, And in those moments, um, I also think quickly, like, am I going to regret this? Because I think that you know, while it's very challenging to control our fight or flight kind of mode that you just described, you know, I think the idea is you're going to, you would face potentially drastic consequences if you, you know, lashed out at your boss, particularly publicly, you know, in response. So trying to cool yourself down and think, you know, who do I want to be? And, you know, remind yourself of the potential consequences and what's on the line, And then, you know, later you can think about a, you know, healthier response, including, you know, potentially reporting something if that's helpful to you, you know, and certainly including it in feedback and things like that. But Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important that you don't lose your temper at work. I mean, that's where we see a lot of things flying out of control. So. You know, as much as possible, I know it sounds far easier than when <laughs> yeah. we're challenged to do this. So right. I feel this a little is, this bit... This is hard.
1: This is hard stuff. Yeah,
0: this is... It's easy for me to say. It's far, you know, really challenging to do in the moment. But I think that, you know, that's what we will try to do is, um, you know, keep our heads about this in mm. the moment and then think more constructively about, you know, are there ways that you can defend yourself? Are there ways that you could follow up with a healthier conversation? You know, and the bottom line is if you can't create better a better situation for yourself, then, you know, I do think it's worthwhile about considering uh, possibilities outside the organization, right. you know, because it's just too costly on people's health. I mean, that's the sad thing, uh, you know, and stress researchers have shown that these kind of maybe more minor incidents that they really can eat away at you, they're like, mm-hmm. like a thousand paper cuts, you know, and right. so it can take a tremendous whole, almost because we are silent about it and we bottle it up and we maybe don't realize, you know, quite the toll it's taking. And over time, that really adds up. And so I do think that it's worth taking a harder look if you're facing a pattern of this or working in a toxic environment about, you know, would there be better places for me? (laughs) You know, Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think that's an important thing to say, which is one of the solutions is one way out of this is to be thinking, oh, I don't have to sit here and take this. So what are my alternatives to where I am at the moment? Um, and it might be a different role in the same organization. It might be a new organization altogether.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So I do like those two questions. Um, the first what was the, the first one was, who do I want to be? And the second one was, I can't remember how you phrased it, but I liked it. it basically, what are the consequences <laughs> of this? How, how yeah. did you put it?
0: Yeah. What are the potential consequences, you know, uh, for (laughs) how I'm going to respond? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let me push on that first one just a little bit, that piece around who do I want to be? How do people know who they want to be? Are are there ways of kind of helping find that foundation about who you, who you're aspiring, how you're aspiring to show up in the workplace?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, at a big picture level, we all have role models, you know, Mm. and many of those people are not, people in the workplace, but just broadly people that we admire their character and how they carry themselves and so forth. And having those people in mind is actually personally more helpful to me than even just, um, you know, leaders that I might admire. But I think if we thought about leaders that we loved to work for, you know, and what were the things comes back to your question earlier, which is you know, what could you do that would make it a nicer place to work? We all have had bosses or leaders that we've worked for that we thought, gosh, they've done some things that have really made this much better place. And so, and, you know, for me, I learn about these people, you know, through reading others and um, hearing talks and so forth, but you try to gain these ideas and then I would shoot to, to do those things, you know, like, and, so there's a, a little exercise where you write down five things that you've seen leaders do that you believe would make a big difference to those that work for you, let's say, or around you. And and you try to do those things you now. Um, and some mm-hmm. of them may take a little extra time or care, but, you know, we know personally from the difference that that can make. And so, you know, that would be what I would strive for is who are your role models and then shoot for doing some of those things specifically.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, we've just got a, a little bit of time left. so I just want to ask you, Christine, very quickly, just about, you know, one of your chapters in the book addresses ease civility You know, mm-hmm. it's easy to think about how this stuff plays out in person. But of course, the, through email and online communication, there's all sorts of opportunities for various forms of abuse to happen. How do you best manage what you do so that you appear civil in the way you communicate electronically?
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, part of it is uh, don't write when you are upset, as you described earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're feeling kind of the anger swelling you or the stress swelling you. I think those are the times that you want to draft maybe an email, but don't send it, you know, or pick up the phone instead or think about, you know, kind of a better time versus responding in the moment. I think people get themselves in trouble. But when there's conflict or they're feeling that way and we, the temptation is to fire off a nasty email, you know, to put the person in their place, you know, and let them know how we really feel. And it's far easier to do that at a distance, right? So, you know, I, I strongly encourage, you know, just if you're, if you can't resolve a disagreement, if you think that your email will evoke a negative response, if you're feeling angry or slighted you know that your stress is rising or they're stressed out, or if you want to deliver bad news, you know, those are times where I would strongly encourage that you don't use email. I like
1: that. Whether,
0: whether you choose a different mode or, of communication or you wait, you know, that out. Because I think that's where often the misunderstandings occur or you make things a lot worse by using email.
1: Yeah, I mean, in some ways, what you're you're connecting it to is that question about, well, what are the consequences of me doing that and pointing to the fact that the consequences are perhaps a little harder to gauge when you're sitting in front of your own screen about to write a rude email. And it's that same piece around, well, how do I want to show up in this world? Who do I want to be known as? How do I want to be? And what are the consequences from this action? And are they worth it? Exactly. So, Christina, our our work here is all but done. But before we go, I do want to direct people to where they can find out more about you and more about the book. So is there a website or somewhere that people can find you?
0: Yes. So uh, com is the best spot. Uh, there's a lot of articles and resources and that self-assessment if people are interested in that.
1: Perfect. And are you on Twitter or anything like that?
0: Uh, yes, Perfect. I am. I'm on Twitter and I am on LinkedIn Perfect. and so that, yeah, they can find me there as
1: well. And Christine Porath, P-O-R-A-T-H. Christine, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks for your time today on figuring out not just how to be less in uncivil in the way that you show up, but also how to manage yourself when you're faced with incivility in the workplace. It's been great to talk to you.
0: Thanks very much, Michael. We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to MBS.Works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's MBS.Works.